hear that Lisa is taking on the project or reading the entire Bible through, and I compliment you on that. But there are times when you will look at a passage of Scripture and it will leap out at you. And your, your mindset would be, well, I know I've read that a hundred times, but I didn't realize it said that or didn't, it didn't inspire me the way that it inspires me now. And that's the importance of the Word of God. And you will find if you spend a lot of time in the Bible and you spend a lot of time uh, being around ministry, teaching ministry, reading books, watching television, going to conferences, you will find that there will be seasons in your life when you will relate to a Bible character. Can anybody relate? And like you'll you'll read the story of Esther and say, I, I know exactly what Esther's going through. Or you'll read the story of Paul and Silas in prison and being beaten and, and worshiping God anyway. And you feel like that's exactly that's exactly where I'm at. And I believe that's why the Bible is called an in sample, not an example. The the Bible does not make examples of us, but the Bible allows us to read stories of people who really lived who really survived, who really conquered, who really went through storms, who really went through battles. And the way they handle the storm with God's help is to give us encouragement to equip us, to edify us, and to help us through the storms of life. I want today to start something that if the Lord allows, I, I want to follow up later in the month or maybe later up in the season that we are in. But if I had a thought or a title this morning, Austin... And we will be podcasting this teaching this morning to the nation and to the thousands of friends that tune into this uh, almost weekly. If I had a title this morning, it would be Leviathan, Leviathan Exposed. Leviathan Exposed. I'm sure that most of you are aware that we are in a war. Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations, bringing into captivity, captivity every thought. So we realize that this is not just a battle of the, of the spirit, but it's a battle of the mind. Franja Payne wrote a great book entitled The Three Battlefields, and he touched on both of those battlefields, the battle, the battle of the spirit and the battle of the mind. We have learned that whatsoever you think in your heart, so you become. We know that where your heart is, there your treasures, what you think on, what you perceive, is exactly what you do. If you think about something long enough, you'll either attempt it or you'll become it. And as we look at this life that we're in, as Paul tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, warfare, warfare, new word, it lets us know that there really is a struggle going on. There is an assumption that when you become a part of the family of God and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you start operating in gifts and, and signs. We have this, this concept, this mindset that we become immune from the cares and the stress of life. And then we almost get into a position where whatever we confess, we believe that we can have and we believe that we can become. And I bring attention to the fact that this morning that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are men and women that have lived and they have, they have survived the attack they're under. I love the 11th chapter of Hebrews. One day, if you would like, I will quote it for you. But I learned in that 11th chapter that the first half of the chapter is filled with warriors that won. Warriors that overcome. Noah that built the ark. Abraham that looked for a city. 
Moses who refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It talks about all the great things that happened, all the great things, Gideon, David, Jephthah, also time would fail to tell me of all of those who, who were persecuted. But the last half of the chapter doesn't talk about winning. The last half of the chapter talks about those that were sawn into Isaiah for their testimony. It talked about those that were stoned, those that were murdered, those who were tied to a stake, those that wandered about in dens and caves of the earth of whom the world was not worthy. There are seasons in our life when we will feel like winners, and there will be seasons in our life when we feel like whiners. Can anybody complain? Absolutely. We have the right to complain. We just need to be careful who we complain to. David said, Lord, many are those that are camped round about me. Selah, pause and calmly think about that. How dare you take on a child of God that's anointed by the Father and bought by the blood. But there is a battle, there is a war, there is, a, there is an event taking place in our life that's called life. I like the song that says, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. And when you give your heart to God and when you begin to serve God, it doesn't mean that everything is hunky-dory, peachy, creamy. It means there are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be bad times. There's going to be good times. Led Zeppelin said it so well. Good times, bad times. You know I've had my share. And as you begin to serve the Lord, you realize that one day serving the Lord is better than a thousand days serving the devil. Can I get a witness? Can anybody relate to that presence that seems to follow you, occupy you, and help you through whatever you're going through? God's answers are not always yes. He said, I'll give you your needs, not necessarily your desires. When your heart lines up with the Word of God and you start, you start praying the desires of God, then you'll see yourself receiving the desires of God. It's God's will to finance your ministry. It's God's will to finance and to equip you for what you feel God has called you to do. And aren't you glad that there is destiny and purpose in this book? But I want to tell you this morning, there is someone that hates you with a hatred that is so intense and that is so extreme. There is, a, there is a factor in life that wants you to crash and burn. It wants you destroyed. It wants you to die. It does not want you to have hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It does not want you to laugh. It does not want you to enjoy anything that God has for you. And we find him in the, in the third chapter of the very first book of the Bible. Not necessarily the first written, but the first that we see. In the book of Genesis, it says that Satan was subtle. And so Satan was crafty and cunning. And we see that Satan talked Adam and Eve out of their birthright, out of all that God had for them. And ever since then, it's almost like we've been playing catch up. It's almost ever since we've been trying to take back what the enemy has stolen. We've been trying to walk in the provisions and the favor of God. Doing the right things, saying the right things, financing the harvest, not afraid to sow, not afraid to give away stuff, not afraid to commit to things, but it still doesn't change the fact that there is a battle raging, there's a battle warring against you. And there are two things this morning that the enemy hates about you. He hates your prayer. He tried to kill Daniel because Daniel prayed three times a day. And he hates your praise. He tried to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they would not worship the, worship the king of Babylon. They chose to worship God, Yahweh. 
He hates that. He hates it when two or three get together in his name and begin to praise and worship because God's presence comes down, God's favor comes down. And as Joseph took a nap and saw a stairway leading into heaven, your praise opens a door for angels to ascend and descend to come to you to bring you the stuff you need to make it through the day that God has given you. He does not always promise us provisions for tomorrow. The children of Israel got up every day and the provision was there. When they tried to store up, hello, when they, when they, when they, when they tried to hoard, we know that the manna did not stay fresh. The, 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 the meat spoiled. So every day, God, the promises of God are new every morning. Look at somebody and say, great is thy faithfulness. And as we look today at, at the Bible and the Word of God, I guess that one of the characters right now that I feel like that I can most relate to. Would anybody like to guess what character right now in the Bible I can most relate to? I think the, the, the one guy in the Bible that I can relate to more than anybody else right now at this season that I'm in is probably Job. Can anybody relate to Job? It's not a job. A lot of people don't read this book because they think there's work involved. It's not a job. It is a man's name. This was a, not just a good man. He was a great man. The Bible tells in the book of Romans that all of nature declares the glory of God. And somehow through the sunset, through the rainbow, somehow through the, 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 the breaking forth of perennials from the ground, the tulips, the crocus, somehow Job realized there was a God who was worthy to be praised. I need to remind you that Job did not have any Kenneth Copeland tapes. Job did not have any Benny Hinn teachings. Job was not tapped into Daystar or TBN or God TV. Job didn't even have a Bible. He did not have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He didn't have the Pentateuch. He didn't have any of the works of the prophets, minor and major. He had no Psalms. He had no Proverbs. He had no Ecclesiastic. He had absolutely nothing, but somehow... Job encountered the fact there was a God and he began to worship him and he began to praise him. Somehow Job in his knower knew that God delighted in the fact of animals that were sacrificed to God as a type and a shadow of that sacrifice that would take place on Calvary. And as Job began to worship God and serve God, he was blessed with ten children, seven sons and three daughters and he was blessed literally with the wealth of a nation. We know that there is a place somewhere between the second and third heaven where God encounters the principalities and powers, where God encounters angelic hosts, angelic beings. In one of these particular settings, Satan appeared. We don't know if he was invited or he just showed up. But when he showed up, God calls Job by name and said, have you, have you noticed Job? And Satan says, oh yeah, I've noticed him. I want to take him out. I don't like him. I don't like anything about him. He's blessed. He's got great kids. He's got a great family. He's prospering. He loves you. I hate him. And God said, I'll tell you what. You know I've got a hedge around him. I'll lower the hedge. And no matter what you do to him, he'll still praise me. And you know the story. If it wasn't one thing, it was another. Job gets negative reports, loses his income, loses his savings. And then the thing that he feared the most, Pastor A.C., every day he provided sacrifices for his kids. And Mark, the thing that he feared the most, one day he got the report that all of his kids were killed. I don't know of anything more tragic than that, than losing the life of a child. And in that, in that sorrow, in that misery, here's what Job said. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know the story, three friends come, they sit for seven days, don't say a word, his grief is so apparent. 
He has he has a, a disease like 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 uh, poison ivy. He's taking a, a broken uh, piece of pottery, scrape it. How many ever had poison ivy? How many of your mom told you don't scratch it? How many knows that's impossible to do? Hello, you you itch, you scratch, you're miserable, and the more you scratch, the worse it gets, the more it spreads. And Pastor AC is a specialist in that area of his of his life. It is miserable. He's miserable. These three friends begin to give counsel. One said, Job, there's sin in your life. One said, Job, your confession's out of order. One said, Job, your your denominational structure, not a part of the right denomination, not a part of the right teaching. And for about nine months, this, this journey takes place. And for nine months, these friends come, and they try to counsel Job. And then all of a sudden, in, in Job, the, four, the 41st chapter, if you'll go there with me, I just want to bring a, a, a attention to two scriptures. I would like to bring attention, first of all, to Job 41 and 1. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord, which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose, or bore his jaw through with the thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? Will thou take him for a servant forever? Will thou play with them as with a bird, or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? And as you begin to study the word of God, you'll find several times the word Leviathan is used. We know that in Greek mythology, the word Leviathan, are you ready for this? Means the God of chaos. As you look at the Hebrew translation of the word Leviathan, it means to twist, it means to distort, it means to deceive. As we look at the life of Job and where Job's at, there's another factor that you've got to bring into this picture. And that's the factor of Moses. Moses has spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court learning the weapons of war, learning all the things that Pharaoh knew. Pharaoh had conquered the world. Moses was being raised up to take over the throne. Moses realizes that he's a Hebrew. In anger, he kills an Egyptian soldier. And for that, he goes into hiding. He hides for 40 years. Somewhere in that 40-year window, Mark, Job meets Moses, Moses meets Job, Job begins to share with Moses his story, or can I say, his testimony, and as he's sharing his testimony, all of a sudden Moses feels impressed to begin to write the very first book of the Bible, and that is the book of Job. And as Moses begins to write the events of Job's life, something that Job did not know then, but he knows now, that there was a force against him that hated his worship, hated his righteousness, hated his standard with God, and tried to destroy him. And nothing's changed. You are the Job that Satan hates. You are the praiser that Satan despises. You are the child of God that one day will spend eternity in God's presence as Satan once was. He hates you, he hates everything about you, and he wants to take you out. And I'm going to tell you something. Every time there's a visitation from God, there's going to be a visitation of Herod's soldiers. When there's a virgin birth, there will be soldiers that will try to take out that virgin birth. When God got ready to raise up a, de- a deliverer from the land of Egypt, do you remember that? When God began to raise it up, you know what was taking place to all the male babies? They're all being murdered. When God tried to raise up and did raise up Jesus, when he raised up Jesus, all of the babies were being murdered. 
I believe that there is a, a raising up. I believe there's a standard that God is getting ready to see. We talk a, a lot about revival, but I believe revival is headed to Cleveland, Tennessee. I really believe that. But we're in a generation now of Roe Ro versus Wade where many millions of our firstborn babies have been aborted. I believe that we are in a season for deliverance, for victory, for revival. I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday that their predictions of tornadoes, their predictions of monsoons, their predict predictions of heavy, heavy rain. And everywhere I went, I went to the bank, I went to the lawyer, three or four places I went, they were all telling me about the storm that was coming in. And no matter wh whether it was Lowe's or whether it was Ace or whether it was, everybody that day was talking about a storm that was on its way. They were watching their, their, their storm radios. They were watching radar. Well, it's in Nashville. Well, it's in Birmingham. Well, it's going to hook. It's going to come around here. And as I begin to just go from place to place, hear about this storm that's about to come, I felt like God put something in my spirit. He says, as much as you see, people anticipating a storm that's going to hit Cleveland. I'm about to shake Cleveland from the top to the bottom, and I am going to bring rain, and I'm going to let it rain, and there's going to be a season of refreshing, and everywhere you go, they're going to be talking about the rain that has visited Cleveland. The doors that are open, the lives are being changed, the people are being healed. I believe that we're in that season, but if we're in that season, know if there's a presence of angels that anoint the shepherd to declare the glory of the king, then they there will be a presence of demonic forces that will try to destroy and kill what God wants to do in this city. And I don't want to sleep through it. I don't want to miss it. I don't I want to be a part of it. I want to be on my toes. I don't know it's going to come like it came 23 years ago. It may come in a completely different fashion, but I want to make sure that I'm a part of what God wants to do in this city. We have a special guest this morning, and he is going to uh, share some things with you in just, in just a minute. As he's getting ready, his heart and spirit to share. I want to, I want to prepare you where we're at right now. The Bible says in Daniel 7 and 25 that in the last days, and guys, I really believe we're living in the last of the last. I, I believe as you read Matthew 24, the Bible says the very last thing that would happen before the return of Christ is that this gospel would be preached into all the world for witness, and then shall the end come. Through satellite television, we have now touched every nation of the world with the gospel. That prophecy has taken place. The Bible says in the last days, many shall be deceived and believe a lie and be damned. And I believe we're seeing that take, transfer and take place. Three things I want to tell you about your enemy. First of all, I want to tell you he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Three other things I want to tell you about your enemy. There's only three areas that he can operate in, and only three. He can operate in the area of temptation. He can operate in the area of accusation. And he can operate in the area of deception. If he operates in the area of temptation, here's what the Lord tells us. I know what you're made of, and I will not allow any temptation to come upon you that you could not handle, sustain, and override. How many feel sometimes God thinks more of us than we think of ourselves? Anybody? We're going through something. We're saying, Lord, I know you told me you would put me more than, than, than I can handle. I just feel like I can't handle it. And God's always saying, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're tougher than you think. Look at somebody and say, you're tougher than you think. 
In the Beatitudes, Jesus told the multitude that there's a blessing attached to an accusation, especially when you're accused for doing the work of the Lord or offering the things of God or standing for the things of God, that when you're accused, there is a blessing. But I have learned there is no blessing attached to deception. Every morning I wake up knowing that today I'm going to be tempted. Every morning I wake up knowing today I'm probably going to be accused. But rarely do I wake up and say, you know what? I'm probably going to be deceived today. How many can relate? Because we think that we're smarter than deception. We think that, 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 that we're, not, we're, we're not going to follow in the, in the attack of the enemy. But one of the main tricks of the enemy is to deceive you into thinking that you know more than you know. Hello. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know something worse than lack of knowledge, Robbie? Wrong knowledge. Wrong knowledge. I mean, some of us have heard stuff for so long we actually believe it, and it's messed up everything that God has for us, everything that God wants to do for us. And I believe that's why God loves the prodigal, because when the, when the prodigal gets saved, he will throw everything into worship. He, 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 he works just as hard serving God as he did serving the devil. Can anybody relate? And that's why I love the prodigal, that, that mindset and that ministry. As we look at what the enemy is doing in the last days, Daniel 7 25, it comes to do two things. To blaspheme the name of God and to wear out the saints of the Most High. If you feel worn, if you feel under attack, if you feel tired, if you feel stressed out, if financially there's some challenges, if, if physically there's some challenges. Pastor David says something very humorous Friday night. We had a, a precious engagement uh, party. My parents came and, and Pastor David and Connie came and, and Rhonda's parents came and Maga came and Al was there with me. And as I, as I looked around the room, I think there were 160 years of marriage represented in that room. I come from five generations of Davises that did not divorce. In my five generations, the woman always outlived the man. That's why I married a wife seven years younger than me, so that probably would not happen. But what happened, because all the seats in our, and, and you've been, most of you have been to my home, all the seats were taken, so I simply sat on the floor and leaned my back up against the couch. Well, when it was time to get up, it took me a while. And Pastor David said, you know what? I'm so encouraged today seeing you get off the floor. It so much encourages me. I said, Pastor David, I know exactly what you're talking about. The old gray mare, look at somebody say, the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be. But the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God tells us this. In Revelation 12 and 10, it says two things, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony and the fact that we love not our life even to death. When we're talking this morning about give myself away, when we talk about laying ourselves upon the altar, when we talk about dying to the flesh and living for Jesus, when we talk about those things, that's part of the three things that will keep you healthy and keep you whole in the kingdom of God. Al, I want you to come. Al is a friend of the Davises for years and years and years as he gets ready to come travel with us saying incredible voice i want al to come and share his entire testament when the hope house kids are here but he's going to take about five or ten minutes and let me share a little bit what god is doing in his life as he comes have you ever seen a a four-wheel jeep or truck on a mammoth rock at an angle advertising a dealership have you ever seen has anybody ever seen if you've seen that wave your hand at me if you saw that rock and saw that display al built it it's called Mango Rock. He is the only person in the world that's doing this. God has blessed him incredibly. 
He just came back from London. You might share a little bit about that. But I'll take about five minutes and share what happened to you, your testimony for the glory of God. Well, this morning, um, I was, uh, because of the stroke that I had in June, of 12, June 12th of last year, I, um, I was racked in horrible pain. And as I came in to pray with Pastor A.C., a young man named Joshua Castleberry touched my hand and held my hand as we were praying. And um, I felt the healing presence of God come out of that young man's hand. I don't, Joshua, I'd never met you before. But my Lord, you've got people in this church that are anointed of God, unbelievably. But is, now I'm, I, I have a hard time sometimes um, not crying because when you go to heaven there's no unkind word spoken to you um, in June 12th when I had the stroke I went into a coma they induced a coma and sometime during that time I remember going into a uh, a huge like a CAT scan thing and I hear the whirring and that's the last thing I remember but I I died and I went to heaven and when I did I began to walk up steps that were that were almost mind-boggling steps of huge pillars to the side and, and I could see waterfalls in the distance and I'm a I like to build waterfalls. I, I, I worked on Universal Studios and building waterfalls for Paramount Studios in, these, in the theme parks. But I saw unbelievable waterfalls and there were people. All my ancestors were there. All of... It was incredible. It was just... But here's the amazing thing is as I began to walk up, apparently... My uncle said my blood pressure, even while in the coma, induced coma, would skyrocket, and I would my feet would go up in the uh, in the hospital because my body was it was almost like Neo in in the Matrix. I was experiencing heaven while in a coma. I I, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave, and you won't want to leave when you go. But a group of um, Catholic relatives and a group of Protestant the Catholic relatives were praying and crying and lighting candles to burn the church down the Protestant relatives were crying out to God I had my mother come in and lay her hands on my head and say you're not gonna die but live I had people all over Cleveland crying out and saying and and all over and and one young lady in this city was saying, this is not going to stand God. Her, her name is Melanie Willits, and she said she started arguing with God. There's another young lady named Francesca Rose who began to cry out and say, no, this is not going, you don't argue with, number one, you don't argue with a French woman, and you really don't want to argue with an Italian woman. And so God just all of a sudden said, and I felt myself falling, and I, I said, no, 
No, I came back. And I grabbed a guy, I grabbed one of the orderlies and said, why did you bring me back? I didn't want to come. But let me just tell you something, it was wonderful. Little children were in a parade for me. They would come up and they would grab roses off of bushes that had no thorns. And they would throw them out ahead of me as I was walking up these huge steps. And the roses, the very roses would go into the marble and they would become a part of the marble. And there were beautiful rivers and sometimes the rivers would cross the road, the golden steps. And when they would cross the steps, wow, it was just incredible. You would walk through. And then I've always liked the water. So I looked over and I saw these beautiful like lakes and ponds with waterfalls and you can't die because guess what I already died so I dove in and you didn't drown you could breathe under the water in fact as it went into your lungs it was like cool water and it was just incredible and I you could just go and you could swim underwater it was great I gotta tell you and the thing of it is is that you could all time had no meaning now I, I really, being a, being a, my mother was Cherokee and my dad was Italian Sicilian, so I like to argue the point. And I, so I was, I walked in and I said, uh, please, I, I really want to tell you that um, I really don't think I should be here because I, I, I failed God. And they kept on saying, Mr. Mango, shh. We don't talk about judgment. We don't talk about hell. We do. It's there is no condemnation, and it would echo. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, and you, my son, are in Christ Jesus. All I can say is, is that you know what? I'm here, and um, let me just say this before I relinquish the um, you don't want to come back you just don't want to come back because I've I had to come back to a body that that is in pain I had to come back to sometimes words spoken that aren't kind sometimes my family doesn't understand my brother told me I was on drugs I'm not on drugs in fact, let me just tell you, I went from 120 pills a day to less than seven. Now, blood pressure medicine. You know why? Because when you touch heaven, healing begins to flow in you. That arm was paralyzed. That eye was completely gone, paralyzed. I looked into the mirror, and I saw a face that was contorted and and I said, this cannot stand. And I began to cry out one night. Can I take a few more minutes? One night. I thought I was afraid. I was afraid. And in the night, I called. I began to speak in tongues. And God gave me a dream a few years ago that Satan's hand would come down upon me and smash me flat. And in this dream, all of a sudden, from within my depths of my soul, I began to cry the name Jesus. 
And all of a sudden it began to echo, echo, echo. A thousand echoes began to explode in my breath as I would say, Jesus. And all of a sudden that hand and that power flew off of me. Then all of a sudden the Spirit of God came upon me in the dream. And he flipped me up almost like, almost like just, just a catapult. And I began to speak in tongues. And I began to speak those God's words. I began to speak in tongues. And as I did, I began to move forward in this dream. Forward. And as I did, power, explosive, unbelievable, almost like just fire would come out of me and out of my words. And I began to speak in tongues. And all of a sudden, the demons and the powers that came upon me and tried to destroy me all of a sudden they began to flee every which way the plans of darkness that came at me were destroyed by the Holy Spirit speaking through me in the language that only God can speak amen but thank you for allowing me to share this he showed me some things that were unbelievable he showed me what will happen in the future. And um, one of the things is this, is that the church is about to go, our nation is about to be judged. I saw everything having to do with Babylon being destroyed. I saw San Francisco, the financial district, hit by a very powerful nuclear bomb. I can't tell you the date, but I know it's going to be soon. I saw a couple other things. I saw two, I'm not going to say this, I just will say this, the seven, two 747s will take off. One will go right and one will go left. There will be a Saudi Arabian click on lock a stinger missile and he will take down one of the 747s and everybody will know everybody will see the whole world will watch so all I can say is this is when you touch heaven and you really would like to go there and I would say to you there is no judgment you know what I, I met a wonderful young lady where's Lisa Lisa, I met this young lady back in 1979. Can you believe that? In Orlando, Florida, our paths crossed. I never forget a face. And you know what? God, that day that we talked, the first day, it just came on to, upon me so strongly that because we have accepted Christ, because we know Him, because we're still failing and we're still struggling in this flesh we can say these words and I'm gonna close with this because I really took too long I am crucified Galatians 2:20. this is what God I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and let me say this one time this I've had to learn this over my time that whatever is of you, all your relationships, 
everything that you hope for, if you allow it to be crucified, whether it be a good relationship, whether it be someone that you, that's come into your life, if you allow it to be crucified, your dreams, your hopes, your desires to be crucified and die, whatever is not of Jesus Christ, it will die. But whatever is of Jesus, it comes forth. It comes forth and it's resurrected. And I want to tell you something. I've had to put some desires and hopes and relationships and let it die in the tomb. The tomb of Christ is an incredible thing. If it's hooked, it dies. But resurrection comes. So I just wanted to thank you. And let me, may I pray for you? I just want to pray. This is what was spoken to me at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. As I touched it, I turned around and two rabbis said, we would like to pray for you. One spoke fluent Hebrew. The other interpreted. They laid their hands on me. When I turned from the Wailing Wall, I was there all alone, visiting Israel a few years ago. And they said these words, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord grant you his peace this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Hank. Thank you, Al. Al's going to come back. We tried to get him with Pastor A.C. to sing a couple of songs. He's going to come back. And uh, he told me I could sing with him, so we're really looking forward to that. That should be very, very interesting. He said once, he said, just a, a few minutes on earth is like a thousand years in heaven. Isn't that, isn't that cool how God does that and God allows us? We are aware that uh, North Korea has the ability, not necessarily to reach San Francisco, but has the ability in a nuclear submarine to reach San Francisco. Right now, the terrorist alert is about as high as I guess as it's been in a long time. But aren't you glad that you know who holds the future? Aren't you glad that you know that my, my trust is not in a horse and a chariot, but my help cometh from the Lord? Thank you, Brother Al, for sharing that. Uh, just, just for a moment, as we, as we reflect, you may feel like you're not important. You might feel like you're past the age of doing something for God. Or you may feel like you've been wounded in ministry or just wounded in, in life. But I'm here to tell you, God sent Al here to tell you today that God is not done with you. God is not through with you. And when you crucify those things, what's not of God will die. And what's of God will have such a fresh fragrance and have such a, such a fresh uh, time attached to it. And I know, I know that you've got to just allow what he said no condemnation no condemnation I, I pondered the years that I was away from God that my parents must have questioned one another 
what did we do wrong? Where did we miss the boat? Where did we drop the where did we drop the ball? Where you know what? They didn't. It was a great home, it was a great family, and there was a call of God on my life, and the devil hated it and would have loved to have stolen it. But aren't you glad this morning that God has a hedge built around your call, your marriage, your ministry, your finances, and he's gonna see it through the end. Not without difficulty, not without struggle. That baby, very few babies just pop out of the womb. There's usually quite a, how many moms can relate? There was quite a, it was quite a struggle. And many times you just wanted to die or kill your husband who's responsible for the pain that you were going through. But aren't you glad that you, you bore and you, you followed up? On, aren't you glad that God has blessed you? Father, we thank you for this moment, for this season. We thank you for your word, your spirit. We thank you for what you started today. Give us favor and give us wisdom to continue in the area of Leviathan. Touch Pastor Rhonda Wednesday night as she shares the word. Be with us this week as we endeavor to do that which you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, and they all said, amen.